Good morning. Welcome to New Church Live. Hello, everybody, wherever and whenever you're watching this. My name is Curtis Childs, and I'm going to be talking to you today about the six ways that people need help. And these are a handy tool because this is something that you can use to look outward and see what does this person need? How can I act on this primal human urge to make their life better? But also these are things you can turn inward toward yourself. You can do a little self-diagnosis and try to figure out, why do I feel the way I feel? What is it that I'm perhaps lacking? What is it that I'm actually looking for? And these are not just six ways that people need help. They're the six ways that people need help. And the reason why I stuck that little word in the front is because these come from a very well-known saying where Jesus Christ is laying out all of the ways in which we need and can serve each other. He does this in Matthew 25. You've probably heard this before. If not, you're welcome, because it's a beautiful statement. I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. And so he's saying this to a group of people that are following him, and I think there was a little bit of a lost wallet feeling. You know, if you find a wallet on the ground and there's money in it, you feel like, well, I'm getting something that I don't really deserve. Like, should I return this? Because they all were saying, we, we didn't do that to you. This is, this is Jesus, who a lot of them suspect is, is God, you know, staring you in the face, and they're saying, they actually say, uh, we, when did we do that? Like, thank you, but I, I don't remember doing that. I didn't ever give you food. I would have, but I didn't. What are you talking about? Because the words of Jesus always have multiple layers of meaning in them. And he says in verse 40, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of these, the least of my brethren, you did it to me. So before we even get to the six ways that are based on those six categories he just gave, think about what that statement means for the nature of what God is. This is God saying, if you've helped anyone, if you've extended kindness and love to anyone, you have done it to me. I care about the well-being of everyone. That's who I am. It's not just if I hear about you doing something nice for somebody who needs it, that will make me feel good. That is me in there. God is goodness. God is present in anyone, and if we're looking to serve God, we have that opportunity with every human being that we come across, which is both exciting and just a little bit awe-inspiring, that how, how non-ego-centered can you be? That God is the polar opposite of what's in it for me. To God, the, the, the goal itself is the welfare of everyone. And there's a lot you can get out of taking that statement at face value, that it's important to feed people, literally feed people. We should be doing that. If there's somebody who doesn't have access to the basic necessities of life, absolutely, we should be out there trying to give them what they need to function. I heard this saying once about 
water, because he says, I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. Water is something that when you have it, you never think about it. And when you don't have it, that's all that you think about. There's no way, if we don't have these basic necessities, that we can grow into spiritual people and think about regeneration and the work in our lives to, to reach out towards God. There is things that have to be addressed. So you can't just skip over the literal meaning of what Jesus is saying when he says, take care of people, make sure they're not sick, make sure they're not hungry, make sure they're not thirsty. But there has to be something more to his statement. Because, well, think if I built this checklist off of it, and I said, I came up to you, and I said, okay, hey, are you hungry? No? Okay. Are you thirsty? No? Are you naked? No? Are you sick? Are you in prison? Are you a stranger in these lands? No, no, no? Okay, well, your life's fine. See ya. That's all the help that you need. We need those things, but there is more to us than those things. We can have all of those things and yet have great pain and great need for help in our lives. And a way to understand how this works, that there can both be a great meaning in the literal statement, but just as great meaning in the statement that we can pull from the spiritual meaning, is to look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs. I think I use this in a new church live service, but it's been long enough that everyone forgot about it, so I'm pulling it back out. You don't have to, let's see, so there's Maslow's hierarchy of needs, which is this triangle that gives you all these different categories of the things we need to be human beings. And you don't, there's a lot of categories on there. I know you're already reading them and you're going to finish reading them and I can't stop you, but that's not the point of why we're looking at it. The takeaway is that we're multi-layered beings and that the needs rest on each other. So they have physiological needs on the bottom. Okay, we'll go through them. Physiological needs, that's things like being physically well, having food, having water. Those have to be taken care of. If they're not, that's all we're going to think about. Once those are taken care of, we can look at our safety needs. And once that's taken care of, belonging and love, all the way up into esteem, cognitive aesthetic, self-actualization, and transcendence. It doesn't mean that the belonging and love needs are less important. It's just that they can't even emerge or be tended to until the bottom is taken care of. So if we look at the words of Jesus, because we are these multi-layered beings, because we have different parts to us and different, um, it's like a f- different petals unfurling from the flower, Jesus is always talking to us at all these different levels at once, which is a pretty good trick. And because you can see that he says in John 6, the words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. So there's a spirit inside the words. And in this statement, why why doesn't he just say, you helped me? Why does he go through the trouble of saying, I was hungry, I was thirsty, I was sick, I was in prison? Why list all of those? Because each of those has a spiritual meaning to it. You could think of it as we have these physical needs, but there are corresponding, there are needs that our spirit has that match each of these needs. So you can be spiritually hungry. You can be spiritually thirsty. 
you can be in a spiritual prison. You can be spiritually naked. You can be spiritually sick. You can be a sojourner or a stranger spiritually. And those conditions are just as real and just as important as the physiological ones. And they emerge once the physiological ones are taken care of. So if I go through that hypothetical checklist and I say, okay, well, you don't have any of the physical things wrong with you, it doesn't mean you don't need help. Or it doesn't mean that there isn't a reason why we don't feel complete, even though we may have the necessities of life taken care of. So in these the next sections, we are going to be looking at what those spiritual needs are. And once we know them, we can use them to help others in those ways and open ourselves up to the kind of help that we need. So during this song, maybe take a minute to start thinking about what kind of needs could your spirit have? Okay. Good morning, everybody. We have the band today, as you can see. Yeah. We're going to begin with the song by George Harrison. Your pain is now through Please forget those teardrops Let me take them from you The love you are blessed with This world's waiting for Out your heart, please, please, from behind that locked door. It's time we start smiling. What else should we? Only this short time I'm gonna be here with you And the tales you have taught me From the things that you saw Makes me want out your heart Please, please from behind that locked door
I'm rich or I'm poor Please let out my heart Please, please From behind that locked door Awesome. That was so good. All right. Let's talk about the spiritual categories of need. What does it mean? It's important for us to think about our spirits as, as being as real as our bodies. And our bodies have needs. And the more that you learn about your body and what it needs, the more you can have a sense of well-being and of happiness and of health. And the more you can appreciate what others might need. You know, you can tell if you know what it's like to lift heavy things. You can notice somebody, somebody struggling with a heavy thing, and you, oh, I should go help them lift that thing. So what can we learn about our spirits, and how, how can we sense these things that are just as real? So talk first about being spiritually hungry. In New Church Theology, it says that being spiritually hungry is the state in which we are driven by a desire for goodness. Think about what is it to be physically hungry? Well, you are driven by a desire for food. Goodness can do for your spirit what food can do for your body. If you don't, think about your dog, if you have a dog. My dog absolutely can be driven by a desire for food. That is why he chewed up that paper towel roll that was on the ground. That's why he got into the fish food. He's driven by that desire. There is a state we can be in when we are driven not because we're hungry for food, because we're hungry to experience goodness. We want to participate in goodness and experience goodness. We have on the New Church Live website, there is this whole page, Discover Opportunities to Give and Volunteer. What? What value is it you're going to give me ways to go help and I don't get any money for it? It's because people want to do what is good. There is a time in which that we need meaning, we need to feel like we're making a difference. When we started, when we were starting New Church Live 400 years ago, there was this book that we all read called How Can I Help? Which is this amazing compilation of this ways in which you can connect people to the kind of good that they want to do. This, it's, as, again, doesn't mean this is something that everyone's struggling with all the time, but you can get into a state where you're spiritually hungry. I remember, I think I felt it most tangibly when I, I do get this feeling like I, every once in a while when I look up and notice how cute my daughter is and how she's growing and I get this feeling, overwhelming feeling, I want to be a good dad. I want to, I want to do this. What, what does it take to do that? I want to be there for her. I'll get the same feeling about my wife. And, am, I a good, am I a good husband? i got to be a good husband. You want to. Not because somebody's telling you you have to, but you are driven by this desire. And it doesn't have to be outside of your occupation. There's a difference between you can be in, at work and you're there because you've got to get money, and that's fine. 
Everyone's going to go through that, but there are times when you really feel like, I want to make a difference. I want to make a difference in the world, and I want to, do, I want to know that what I'm doing is doing good. That is what spiritual hunger is. So you can notice when you're spiritually hungry, but also there are times when other people, they may be flailing and reaching out or even kind of doing things that seem to be the opposite of goodness because they need an opportunity to do what is good. This is basic sustenance for the Spirit. Then there's the companion need to that, which is spiritual drink, spiritually thirsty. So, Everything of the Spirit has to do with goodness and truth, or, or you could say love and wisdom, or knowledge and doing. To be spiritually thirsty is to be driven by a desire for the truth. This is when, again, inside you, you feel just like a thirst. I want to know. Tell me what is going on. And so you can have this, I think this would be when you talk about spiritual seekers. These would be people who are thirsty. When you're embarking in a new area of life, you may be thirsty. I remember a couple of times when I absolutely was chugging down information on particular subjects that suddenly I had this need for. I remember there was once when my life was feeling pretty out of control, and I came across this book about how to effectively build habits. It was called Atomic Habits, and I just, I couldn't get enough of that because everything that they were saying was exactly what I needed to try to fix me up, and it was knowledge I didn't have, so I was parched, and it was quenching it. I remember when I had, um, was having some health issues, and so I started to look up everything about how you have like good digestion, and so I was having acid reflux, which I talked about long ago, and everything about that, I was like, tell me more, tell me more, how does this work? And I think we, we have that too when we're trying to learn about the truth about these sort of top of the pyramid needs, about what is the nature of God. I was just watching this YouTube video, uh, it was like a, a viral video where there's this it's on a, I think it's on a college campus, and there's this woman who's asking this preacher these hard questions about uh, religious doctrines. And personally, I, I felt like the preacher didn't have very good answers to her, and I was like, she needs water. You're not giving her water. She needs water. I could see she was thirsty. Now, being hungry and thirsty, these are drives from within to secure the thing for yourself. When you're hungry, you want to go get food. When you're thirsty, you're driven by the need to go get drink. To be spiritually a stranger is, the, is, has, is similar to being spiritually thirsty, but how you need to quench that is different. So spiritually a stranger is you're somebody who wants to receive instruction. So this is not, I'm going to go figure this out, and I've got to go and assemble this. This is like, I need somebody to tell me. I need somebody to tell me what to do in whatever area. I like, there's this old-timey painting of a cute little apprenticeship starting. This is, this guy is saying, hey, I I, I, I want to do, I want to have a trade. I want to do this for a living. W tell me everything you know. I need to be 
instructed. I remember when New Church Live was just getting started and we we're just trying to figure out how do you do something like this? How do you do something like this? We went and visited other churches who had had a bunch of success in the kinds of things we wanted. And we, I remember just sitting there and listening because I, I was a stranger. This was a new land. I'd never helped build a church before. How do you do it? I need to learn. And I need to learn from someone who has been there and seen that. I don't want to paint these too narrow for all of you. So I'm giving you a few examples, but the scope of each is quite wide. So think as we go into our next song here, really think about these three areas and start to see. I found for myself in researching this, if you can think of specific examples of people in your life that you've seen in one of these states or a time when you've been in it, then you start to gain this full understanding of what the concept is. So to be spiritually hungry is when you need to participate in, to, be, to feel goodness. Thirsty is your internal search for truth. Being a stranger is when you want to be instructed by someone. So think through where have you seen that in real life, and we can begin to start to recognize the signs in it. We're well on our way to getting our spiritual medical degree right now, and we'll be back to talk about the next three right after this song.
Doing your online shopping, go to smile.amazon.com to donate a portion of your purchase to New Church Live. Simply search for and select New Church Live as your organization of choice. Now, every time you shop on Amazon, New Church Live receives additional funding at no cost to you. Just make sure you're checking out at smile.amazon.com. You can also do this through the Amazon app. Click Gifting, Registry, Charity from the menu options, select Amazon Smile from the list, and follow the instructions to activate Amazon Smile on the app. We hope you'll consider supporting New Church Live this easy and cost-free way. Yeah, do that. It's a nice, easy way to address New Church Live's needs. I love that song. I think about um, I'll Be There. What we're trying to do in learning about these different kinds of needs that we have is make it so we can be there for people. Because have you ever thought you were helping someone and you weren't? This is exactly what they need. Why aren't they responding? Like I thought, because we are complicated creatures and to really get in there and understand what will help this person is an incredibly valuable skill. So I love learning more about this. Let's fill out the rest of our categories here. And these ones get a little bit more involved. So to be in need of clothing, to be spiritually naked, is to be exposed to the elements of life. New Church Theology puts it that they acknowledge that they have nothing good or true. Like, I don't have anything to keep warm with. And I wrestled with this 
one a bit as I was putting this together. And I think a way to understand it is to think if you're describing somebody that they didn't have a chance, if somebody's in a tough situation and they don't have any guidance, they just don't have the basic tools to lead them on the right path. I've known people that I just feel like, wow, they just, they just don't have any, like no windbreaker to pull over them as they try to navigate these storms. I think that people can, you also think of people who are kind of lost. They don't have these principles to guide them. And I think this is a place where places like New Church Live can be helpful. I think this is part of why we come, is to get these spiritual clothings, garments. This is, uh, again, from New Church Theology. The actual truth that composes faith is compared to clothes in that it provides a covering for the good that comes of charity or for charity itself. So we have this urge to do what is good, but it needs uh, something to protect it, to keep it safe, and to allow it to function in the world. Charity is the body itself, and truth as a result is the clothing. And there's absolutely times when I'm in some situation in life, and I just cannot withstand the forces that life is, is bringing at me. And there's certain times when just some idea about the presence of God or the importance of love, or that divine providence will lead everything to turn out okay, that is like this, like this blanket or like this garment that can allow you to weather that storm. Sometimes people are just in need of basic concepts to help them survive in the harsh climate of life. And the next one might be the one that I have the most personal connection to. To be imprisoned, to be spiritually imprisoned, is to be trapped by falsity. This is like a prison of the mind. You can be in a state where there are some idea or set of ideas that just has a hold of you. It's not untrue ideas that have a hold of you and won't let you go. And there are as many different prisons as there are different people. You can have, if you're like a teenager, you could have a prison, uh, low, low self-esteem, nobody likes me, there can be a, I, I'm, I don't have value, there's a prison there. I guess any, any of us can be feeling like that any time. But there are people who are trapped up in you know, ways of seeing the world that aren't true. There are people who are, we're running stories about the nature of other people and events that aren't true. We're trapped. And I want to actually share a little video clip of a song with you, because this is a song that came on the radio once, and I immediately resonated with what the lyrics were saying, because this was very clearly somebody who was reaching out to somebody who was in spiritual prison. I'm just going to play the very beginning of it, just about a minute of this song. But then, but so watch this. This is the feel of what it's like to have someone you love who is spiritually in prison. Like robots 
Sometimes it seems like you won't survive To get you out your room Just take your medicine And eat some food I would do anything To get you out your room It's so So that's such a great description of somebody who is trapped by depression or anxiety. This is not, she loves somebody who is free to go. They can leave their room. They can leave their room, but they won't because the trapping is in their mind. She says, I, I will do anything to just get you out of your room. Let's just go to the store, get some basic supplies. Um, you're, I don't know how to get you out of there. I would do anything to get you out of there. And I've, I've been on the inside of that prison. I've had, a, you know, earlier in my life, I had some real, like, tr being trapped by depression. And I know that feeling of just you're, you're running around to these different ideas, and they're all pointing you back in the middle, and you can't make sense of life. And everything's fine on the outside, Everything's, I mean, you, you have enough food, you have enough water, but you're stuck and you don't quite know why. You, don't, you aren't even really aware of what the bars are that are keeping you in. And usually it's only people who are outside that prison that can look in and even know, even identify you're stuck, even get that you are trapped. So that's what it is to be spiritually in prison. And its companion is being sick. What does it mean to be spiritually sick? If being spiritually in prison was being trapped by falsity, to be spiritually sick is to be trapped by evil or some kind of negativity that you can't get out of. I mentioned my dog before and how he was chewing all these things up. There have been times when I realized I cannot control my temper when my dog gets in and does things he can't do. I cannot stop from getting upset. Even if I, even if I say to myself before, well, I'm just not going to get mad the next time he does something he's not supposed to do. I can't. I can't do it. I think I've come a long way since then, but there was definitely a period at which I just felt absolutely, like, I'm, I'm sick with this. I, I can't get out of this. That's the... Obviously, being spiritually sick can have huge consequences, and generally you're, you're in that state when you know there's something you don't want to be doing, but you can't stop. And actually, there's, in the Bible, there's the Apostle Paul talking about being in this state. This is from Romans 17, or 715. 
He says, for what I am doing, I do not understand. For what I will to do, that I do not practice. But what I hate, that I do. <laughs> it's almost funny. Have you ever been there? With little things or big things. I'm not going to do this. I, I know I'm not. Oh, I just did it again. Or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop doing this. Oh, I just did it again. You can be in a state in which you're trapped. You're spiritually sick. And you're trapped in some kind of evil. And it could be that somebody's spiritually sick and they don't know that they're sick. If, if we didn't have a good sense of disease and what it was, you could be walking around and just feel like, I'm, I feel like I have no energy. I feel achy. I feel terrible. But you don't realize it's because you're sick. It's because you're sick. And the needs that you have when you're sick are different than the needs you have when you're in prison, are different than the needs that you have when you're hungry, are different than the needs you have when you're thirsty, or when you're a stranger, or when you're spiritually naked. All of these things do different things to you and can be addressed in different ways. And what I think the power is in learning about these kinds of conditions is that it changes the way you see people. Because you could have somebody who is, let's say, they, they do harmful things. They do harmful things. And you might think of them as, this person is just evil. They're bad. But if you start to understand, they're, they're sick. They're sick. And if you, you could think of somebody who's having this entrapment in their mind. It's just like, just get out of it. You're just being lazy. Just stop being like that. Just snap out of it. But then you start to realize, oh, they're trapped. They're trapped in there. That like the good, the good person inside them, the clear-headed person inside them is trapped in there. And with the sickness, the person, the good person in there is, is sick. Same thing with hunger and thirst to understand. Oh, wait, what this person needs now, it could be you're saying, let's give this person goodness. Let's give, this, let's, let's give them an opportunity to do what is good. But what they need is some ideas or vice versa. If someone's hurting and they need something good to do and you say, well, let me teach you a couple of philosophical concepts. Understanding this both allows you to help but also gets you to see people differently as instead of this person is good or this one's bad, it's like what, what needs do these people have? And it doesn't mean that you can't set boundaries and do things to protect yourself when somebody is physically sick okay, you're sick, I can't come over there and give you a hug. But you're looking for, how do I treat this thing? So, this is something that you can start to see everything in life from. As I was you know, in the process of crafting this sermon, I would I remember I'd be, as soon as I'd get on some tangent in my head where I'm thinking about other people and their quality and what they're doing, I would start to go through this filter of, well, what, what state do you think that they're in? And as soon as you do that, it just changes your whole perspective because you see it as some, someone who needs aid in some way. And you can do the same thing to yourself. You can understand, what, what is this unrest I'm feeling? And I do believe that this is why Jesus made such a point of it because to help others is to help God. This, the, the will of God, the heart of God is that everyone be made well. This is why Jesus would come and do all these miracles where he was healing people. Yes, it's great to be healed physically, and you've got to have it, but really what he's trying to do and show us the importance of is spiritual healing. To have the spirit be well just as the body is well. So we can go out and use these six ways to 
continue the work that, that Jesus was doing and allow others to do that work on us. So those are the six ways that people need help. Notice them in yourself, notice them in others, and let's go and try to make the world a better place. We can say the prayer together uh, before we hear the last song, and just notice in the prayer, this, it talks about delivering from evil. It talks about daily bread. These are talking about the spiritual categories of need that we get into. This is essentially an ask for God to care for the needs of our spirit and, um, and an exhortation for us to do the same to those we meet. So you can say it along with me. You can just close your eyes or you can just do whatever you'd like, but let's feel that constant prompting by God to be made well and to make others well. Our Father, who art in the heavens, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. As in heaven, so upon the earth. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Go and be well and make others well. Thanks.
See you soon.